thanks for downloading episode three of School Assembly. I'm Zoe Kaskamanidis. In this series, we follow Principal Ray Boyd and Associate Principal Rachel Lair as they navigate the exciting and challenging journey of building a new school community from the ground up. Each month, we touch base for updates and reflections on their progress as their new school, Dayton Primary School, is built in the newly developing suburb of Dayton, located in the eastern metropolitan city of Swan in Perth, Western Australia. Last month, we spoke to Ray and Rachel about setting short and long-term goals. In this episode, we speak with Ray and Rachel about all things planning, including how they plan to budgets, how they use visual planning techniques, as well as questions of collaboration and delegation. Let's jump in. Hi, Hi Ray and Rachel. How are you both? Well, thanks. Are you on the way to the um, book club this morning? Yeah, we've got a book club for ASOL, so we're heading there. So we said we'd do it on the way, so we'll just have to stop so we can focus. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm always, of course, really happy to, to connect with you wherever you are. So I hear your manager of corporate services, Kathleen, is now on board. So I think a congratulations is definitely in order for your growing team. I saw on LinkedIn that you gave her a nice warm welcome to, which was lovely to see. Yes, we've got um, Kathleen with us now, which is really exciting. Uh, finances can get sorted properly, which is good. So before we jump into the episode, I wanted to recap on a few things we chatted about in our last episode. So I remember you're about to run the second stage of recruitment, gathering together a group of shortlisted teaching staff. So how did that go? Yeah, Yeah, it went well. We, um, I mean, there was a number of processes we went through to get there. We had the the normal process and then we got um, Joel Birch involved with Lego Serious Play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that ran, that was essentially our interview. It it enabled Rachel, myself, and Kathleen, who are all the panel, to walk around and listen to the teachers interacting with each other and essentially answering questions that we would have asked in the interview. Mm-hmm. But because everyone was talking to each other, it removed a bit of that nervousness that you, and tension you tend to get in more of an interview situation. I mean, it was still yeah. tough for them, but it was. They were all on the same level and they were all talking to each other rather than talking to us. So it changed the whole dynamic of the process. And then from that, they uploaded videos of them talking about the little Lego models they made and what everything represented, which answered the questions. And then we had access to that after. So we were able to sit and um, watch their videos and reflect on their answers. So it was a really great way to do it. Yeah, it sounds really interesting and, and really different from anything I've heard of. So yeah, it's great that you can get that sort of deeper understanding. I know um, I saw on social media talking about how it really brings out the why of, you know, why they're drawn to the roles as well. So, yeah, very cool. Oh, it's good. I mean, Joel was very excited to to engage in the process. It's something that he wanted to, had been wanting to do for a while. I was mildly apprehensive, but Rachel's enthusiasm, and this is why it's good to have different people on your team, it was her enthusiasm that encouraged, all right, let's give this a shot. Um, and it's probably one of the best decisions I've made in terms of, or we've made in terms of rec- a recruitment process. And so now we're going to do that. We've got two education assistant pools um, being advertised currently. And so when those close, we're going to go through the same process. We'll bring the shortlisted education assistants in for the same session. So Joel's really keen to be back on board with that. So um I think it's something we'll probably use moving into the future for various other um, things like 
um, working with our board and getting all of our staff together on the same page around our vision for the school. Um, it can be used for lots of different things. So we're really, um, yeah, looking forward to how we can use the Lego um, activities for that. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, you're both really great at thinking outside the box, which I think is going to bring some really special talents and different people into your team, which is fantastic. And the other thing you mentioned last episode was sorting through tenders for out-of-school hours care, which I remember you said was a big goal that came from the steering committee and is particularly important for your community, which includes a lot of young families. Um, so how has it been navigating that over the past month? Now, if I'm honest about this, it's still sitting on my to-do list, Zoe, <laughs> right at the top. Um, it's been on my mind. So we know who we're going to go with, hopefully, in that regard, but we just still have to meet with our um, steering committee. So there's a standout company that aligns with everything that we want for the school. So now it's really just that second stage of meeting with the families. It's just been hard to get there. So fingers crossed that they agree with us um, about this company being the best one for um, Dayton Primary School. We've done our homework around it and come up with the person, the, the company that we think this is the one. But what we'll do is we'll present that summary now to the steering committee and go, mm. this is where we came to. Where do you guys sit with this? Is it, oh, oh, have we missed the mark? Just so we get that double back sounding board. Um, yeah. But we're, we're also very cognizant of, of time. I mean, these are parents. They're flat out like everyone is. So it's trying to condense the information without cutting any important stuff out. Uh, so they don't have to scroll through pages and pages of, of um documents like we went through and we've sort of condensed it down to make it a little easier for them. Yeah, that's great. You know, I think with everyone being so busy and you've got a lot going on, any progress, and sounds like, you know, it's very thorough the way that you do these, go through these processes. And I think that is a lot of progress in itself. So yeah, we'll stay tuned for that one. So let's jump into the topic for this episode now, which is planning. And planning is really quite a broad concept because of course, it's really at the crux of so much of the process of building up a school community from scratch. But in this episode, I wanted to focus on the practical aspects of planning, particularly planning around budgets, who to involve in planning processes, how to delegate tasks to meet planning deadlines, and even things like visualising plans. And I think it'd be nice actually to jump in on that note. So a while ago on Twitter, I saw you were using a sticky note system to visually organise your plans with, you know, to do, blocked, progressing, complete and binned categories written on a whiteboard with plans labelled on sticky notes to paste up and move around each section as your plans progressed. Can you tell me a bit about how and why you use tools like this to visualise your planning processes? Yep. Um, I've seen, I saw it used a lot when I was working in the State Health, um, Health Emergency Coordination Centre during the COVID. Um, mm. And I mean, if you, do, if you look at research too, visualisation and being able to see things is a really important part of planning. Because this was a new space for me when I first came into into the role, Zoe, I needed to be able to, to see exactly what had to be done and where I was because there, was, there were lots of things that were going on that were out of my control, but they were still happening. Uh, let's use the, the naming case in point. The, the getting the name for the school looked easy, but it, then we had uniforms hinging on that, letterheads. So... By putting up all the sticky charts and things to do and then progressing along, we, I could see exactly what had been done and where that was sitting. When other yeah. people came onto the team, what it also did was then gave them a, a this is my thinking here, gave them a visualisation of what had already been done, what still had to be done and, and where things were. And case in point, just before we finished up uh, this, this term, Kathleen stood up and went, so 
I've done the banking. Where are we with this? So she actually used, without me saying, look, here we are, she actually used that and shifted stuff around. So it, it, that visualisation just helps you conceptualise the bigger scope of things, the, the grander scheme, and helps you put things into place. Um, and Rachel's done a similar thing using that now with our staffing profiles in classroom structures. Yeah, so we actually, from that Lego Serious Play session, every staff, um, every teacher there put in a photograph into Padlet. So we've printed those and they're laminated and up on the board. And then we've got our um, numbers of students in each year level and the class, potential class structures. And we've been moving around the faces um, on the board as to where we'd like or potentially like the teachers to be and so we're planning around our um, teaching structures across the school in a visual way like that as well which has been really great because we don't really know the teachers very well yet so having a face um, to a name has been really helpful. Kathleen came in one morning and she said I'm watching this series on Netflix or something we need a Cluedo board <laughs> <laughs> and I what what's that and it's Basically, it's the pictures, what Rachel, so we had all the pictures up and then, okay, well, is this person made it in? No, they haven't. Why not? And so we shifting the pictures around and moving the pictures, ticking. So it, again, it gave us um, a very visual schematic of what we were trying to do with our staffing structures and our classrooms and the actual process of cutting down teachers. So here's our short list. Here's the people that didn't make it. But, and they kept moving around for a couple of days until we came up with our core group um, that actually got into the pool. Mm, that's interesting. I'm really, I'm very much a board games person, so I really connect with that. <laughs> I've actually coded it. It's, she actually said it was a murder board was what they used. <laughs> you know, when you go into those crime scenes and they've got all the boards and how everything's connected? Yeah. So she, that that's the idea where it came from. It's really worked really well. So I'm going to use this again because it's absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah, so a bit like person A in the art room, with yeah. the whiteboard kind of situation. That's exactly <laughs> it. That is exactly it. That's yeah. right. The library with the candlestick, but he needs the resources. <laughs> That's it. That's great. If only there was a, an easy answer to everything in a little pouch at the end like it is in Cluedo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump straight into budgets now, which is always oh, a fun God. topic. <laughs> oh, what God. role do budgets play in your planning? And do you plan according to budgets or has it been kind of the other way around at times too? Well, there's been a lot that's been constrained by budgets in terms of planning for the school, obviously building the school. Ray probably can speak to this easier, but we had, say, 500000 for furniture. So we were very much working to a budget in that regard. Um, and then there's X amount for technology and then there's this amount for other resources. So in terms of um, purchasing all the things we need for, for the school, we don't really have a choice. Ray was um, mm -hmm. trying to find more money for playgrounds. But then in the background, there's other things that aren't reliant on um, budgets, the planning that we're doing around curriculum or programs or pedagogy and, and policy. So there's a lot that can be done that isn't um, reliant on budgets. But in starting a new school, there's so much that is constrained by budgets. So the, and th yeah. there's two elements to the budget. There's the budget, el the budget for the build, which we have little control over. Um, and I think that the state government announced that this was a $36 million build, and that has to encompass everything. Mm. And then we've got our um, budget that comes through from the department um, and the funding, and we get the staff, etc. And that's the really hard bit because, again, because we're a new school, 
there's a lot of resources that we need, but we also then have to prioritise those resources. So obviously digital technology is going to be a big thing because we are a digital world at the moment. So in a school like West Beachborough where I was at, that was an easy one. We moved that because we've got the funds there. At Dayton, it's like, well, we need that. Yeah, but we also need reading books. So it's like, where do we go with this? You can't buy two computers and four books. You, mm-hmm. you need to buy sets of books or sets of computers. So it's always – budgeting is actually really hard. It's a pain. And we have to make decisions. Like there's an example, we could spend $8,000 on getting a website up and running or we could buy $8,000 of toys for the pre-primary classes, for example. So it's really about what's most important right now and we don't have anything. So um, there's uh, there's certain things that we have to put on the back burner in terms of their priority isn't as high because we need to develop and get, get in all the resources we need to, to start running a school. Yeah, it does sound like a challenge that's particularly unique in terms of how much there is all at once <laughs> when you're building up a new school. So, yeah, it must, it must even, be tricky. Even for library, for instance, now we, we bought, uh, I think with $20,000, we bought $20,000 worth of books. So they had, those books now have to be accessioned. There has to be a library system, which we didn't have in place. So, right, we now need to allocate funds to get the library system in place. And what do we do about getting the book succession? Rachel and I aren't going to sit there and do it because it's going to kill us. We could purchase or not purchase, but employ, so spend money on a staff member. um, And then we've got that staff member forever and a day. Or do we, which is what we've done, outsource that to someone who can spend two days on it. And so then we've only invested two days of funds in getting the books covered and accessioned as opposed to putting on a staff member that we now have to carry for the rest of the year. Mm. Yeah, so it's so those... it's just it's just a juggle, Zoe. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. I think you know you're doing a great job by the sounds of things. Everything's kind of coming together in in some way. So and I, th- I think all the schools, um, David Andrews and, and um, in the eastern states, but the other work other principals in this state too, they're all having the same fights and the same decisions. And it would be interesting to see if you did a comparison some people were putting emphasis on and others weren't because everyone's priorities are different depending on um, the environment that they currently find themselves in. So let's talk collaboration and delegation. So something that has always stood out to me um, is that you both really value community input and have invited community into planning for the school from the very beginning. So what do you think are some key considerations for other school leaders who are wanting to engage community in key planning initiatives? Um, well, the community, the, 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 the consultation process was critical for us and I'd encourage anyone to really consider that, um, to get some sort of consultation cafe or something where you actually get the people together in the first place. Um, and I think for us anyway, it's worked well that we did that big consultation at the start and then from that got a, an idea of what the community wanted and then created a little subgroup which we've got now a little steering committee that's working with that information um, and taking that consolidation of all that information and and um, synthesising it down into smaller chunks that are a bit more manageable for us. At those um, first community consultations, we got lists of people that would be interested in being part of a steering committee. And so then I went through all of those um, names and actually um, 
invited people quite specifically to be on the steering committee and tried to get a spread of um, different cultural backgrounds, gender, and then also the age of their children. So we've actually really got, it's only a small group, but a really fantastic group that seems to be working really well together um, and just bring, bringing quite diverse perspectives. So that's worked out really well. And the thing to be very aware of there is if you want to slow a process down, create a committee. So it's an idea of making the group big enough so that it's functional, but small enough so that decisions can still be made relatively quickly. And what about delegation in terms of splitting planning between staff? So has this been something you've organised based off individual strengths and experience, or do you more so delegate tasks based on workload? Anything to do with people, Rachel does. Yeah. I obviously came on board after Ray, so there was two of us for a long time. Um, and Ray had already been working a lot in the project management around the build and all of that. So I kind of left him to that. And then when I came on board, took over a bit more in terms of dealing with the community and um, I took over more of the Facebook page and, and communications with the families, dealing with enrolments and um, just by nature of the fact that I probably enjoyed that more than Ray. We were lucky that we've worked together in the past, so we're aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses and which tasks we'd be best to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've been working a little bit with the money, but now we've got Kathleen on. She's taken that over. So obviously that's her strength as the manager of corporate services. Um, we've been doing a lot of, Rachel and I have been doing a bit of work around curriculum, but we've just made our first appointment, um, which we hope to announce soon. And that person will be supporting us with our curriculum. So again, we've drawn from the pool for a specific reason, for a specific strength in this case. So coming back to, in this case, we're delegating for a person's um, strength and capabilities and that they will take over a particular role and work more closely with Rachel in terms of all right what curriculum what resources do we need in establishing this early childhood unit um, that we want to create in Dayton. And we've been a quite innovative in this space because we were told for the rest of the year that we could put on a school officer and a, and a half-time library officer but rather than do that we're putting on a teacher a senior teacher with experience in learning support so because if I had a school officer and a library officer that I was telling I need all these resources for the pre-primary, for example, I would actually have to then tell them what to order. Whereas having someone with experience in teaching, in learning support, um, they can actually do that on their own without me needing to um, micromanage it. So mm -hmm. that's, I'm really excited about having someone else on board to bounce ideas off around um, the pedagogy and curriculum and Things that, and, and programs for um, Dayton. And I, th yeah. I think, Zoe, in that space too, the hardest part for me, um, and, and now obviously for Rachel that she's on board with that, is trying to make that decision whether I go with, I select staff based around curriculum and developing what's happening in the classrooms, or I employ staff around front office and more um, managerial type roles. And that, that's been a hard one for me because I, I've lent to, aside from my MCS, I've lent heavily towards the learning programs and the teaching framework side of things. So I've employed staff from the Education Act rather from the, the Ministerial Public Sector Act. And so before we wrap up then, Ray and Rachel, what has been your key learning, biggest hurdle and proudest achievement over the past month? The proudest achievement, that um, recruitment process and the way that works worked out for us 
going with the Lego Serious Play, taking a chance on something different. I think um, that was just a, a, both a key learning and a proud a, um, achievement because it actually gave us such great insights. And I think um, the teachers that came along on that day, even though some of them didn't make it into the pool, they actually gave us lots of feedback that they really enjoyed that experience. So I think they even just took away something from that for themselves. Uh, so I'm really proud of the fact that we took a chance on something different and um, that's something, like I said before, that we'll go forward with. And there's there's another element to that. Um, I hate doing interviews for, for a couple of reasons. One is it's very contrived. You've got a per- it doesn't matter how much you tell a person to relax. It's not, and it's, it's a conversation between friends. It's not. So when we had um, Joel, who was extremely passionate about what he did, that energy and passion was exuded out onto the rest of the participants. So there was, it was just a completely different vibe. It, it entirely changed the way the process ran. So, so in terms of a, an energized, um, passionate type of process, because of Joel's drive and passion, it, it just went so well. And it, it, it couldn't be any more to the right of where it would have been if we'd done an interview process. It's so telling of taking that leap to think outside the box of processes that we would normally do in one certain way and what you can really get out of thinking creatively around it. So it's really great to hear. And in terms of a hurdle, it's just something that's coming up. Is there's a, I don't know if there really is a, a teacher shortage, but we've actually had people that we've put into our pool with shortlisted teachers and now they're being offered positions elsewhere. And so unfortunately, because we can't give them and, um, a contract until next year. We're actually lo- losing some quality teachers from our pool. Um, so that's going to be something that's um, going to just, I mean, it's narrowing our pool, um, which we needed to do anyway. We can't employ everyone. Our student numbers are still relatively low. We will probably have about eight or nine classes across the school. So that's only nine teachers and three or four for specialist teachers. So um, it, we needed to narrow it down, but it, we, it's been narrowed down for us. And so what's next for both of you in the coming weeks then? Well, those EA pools, education assistant pools, will be closing in, a, um, in two weeks. So that will mean going through that whole process again for the education assistants. And, and then we mentioned we're getting um, another staff member coming on in week two. So that will be really looking at how that role looks and what their um, roles and responsibilities will be and really um, and about creating a team that works really well together. I think, um, you know, playing to each of our strengths. So I, I think it'll be really good to sit and actually discuss that when the new staff member comes on board about like what do they see their role being like what would they like to do what would they like to get out of it so that we can all work together really well we'll also be spending a bit of time finalizing what our curriculum will start to look like um, and making some rock hard decisions on what programs um, we're actually bringing into the school in terms of commercial programs so Mm -hmm. this this term this next 10 weeks will be absolutely flat out and then sitting on the back of that, there'll be some of the works that's actually happening in the build and the project that'll be finalised and have to be signed off on as well. So this term will be absolutely chaotic, really, which we were very aware of. Um, it was slow at the start of the year and we had plenty of time, but there were things that we couldn't do. Now it's very fast and we're going to run out of time, but that, that's just the nature of the beast. 
as far as for our community, they're quite keen to get ordering the uniforms. So that's on the top of my list for next week is to get all that information out to the families so that they can start, you know, going down and trying on uniforms and buying them. So there's a lot to do in terms of with our families as well. Um, you know, we, we would love to be able to do some orientation and getting to know the families, but until the school site's ready, it's pretty hard to do that. So. And just talking to you now, Zoe, I've just remembered we've got to get book lists finalised and um, given the nod by our steering committee too. So that's good. we've got to get that out to parents as well. So it sounds like today's a bit of a focus on books, I guess, if you're going to the book club as well after the call with me. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a good reminder. Stolen Focus. We're so reading yeah. about Stolen Focus, which is about why we can't pay attention. So there's a lot, lot to take away in that book. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining me today. A pleasure as always to speak to you both, and I better let you get to the book club, but thanks for taking the time out. Thank you, Zoe. You're welcome, Zoe. Have a Zoe. great day. That's all for this episode of School Assembly. Thanks for listening. Next time, we'll be chatting with Ray and Rachel about how they have connected with the community throughout the process of building up a new school. In the meantime, you can follow Ray and Rachel's socials for updates in between episodes by following the links at the podcast transcript over on our website, teachermagazine.com. It would be great if you could take just a few moments to give a rating of our podcast if you're listening to this audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're listening on the Spotify app, just click on the three dots, then rate show. And if you're on the Apple Podcasts app, you'll find the rating section by scrolling down to the bottom of our podcast channel page. On Apple Podcasts, you're also able to leave a short review for us. Leaving us a rating or a review helps more people like you to find our podcast and is a really big support for our team.